Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Brett McMurphy, love talking to him. Appreciate his time. Action Network HQ joins us on 365 Sports. Brett, thank you. Uh, It was almost a Black Sunday, not because of the numbers of coaches who are no longer uh, coaching, but kind of a carryover into today. Was the A&M the biggest of those jobs, or is there one bigger that might come open, in your opinion? No, I think A&M's the biggest one. Um, You know, there was a lot of speculation that that could be a possibility. I joked a couple weeks earlier that it kind of depended on the price depended on the price of oil, uh, whether they would make that move or not. But, you know, A&M's a unique circumstance. They're in the SEC. They want to compete with the likes of Alabama and Georgia. They haven't been able to do that. Heck, they haven't even been able to win their own division. And now you've got, uh, you know, their hated arch rivals are coming back to join their conference after they had left the conference they were in with Texas. Um, and so all these kinds kind of things have stacked on top of each other. And then obviously the money Jimbo makes increases the expectations tenfold. The only coach in college football history to have not one, not two, but three teams start the season in the top six of the AP preseason poll and three times finish the year unranked. So mm. question is now what, what way, what direction do they go? I don't think it really matters. You just It's simple, but it's not simple. you got to find somebody to come in there and win. And once they can do that and win a division, well, there won't be divisions probably in a while, but, uh, you know, get into the playoff um, and have some success, then maybe they can achieve these uh, expectations they have and fill up that empty trophy case. Brent, is there a candidate that's been floated out there that you would say is unreasonable, especially given the fact that money is not an object here. No, I don't, I don't think anything's unreasonable. I just, you know, Ross Bjork's the A&M's AD has to figure out, you know, is he going to go for the highest profile guys out there? And you, you guys know all the names, um, you know, a, a Lane Kiffin, a Dan Lanning, um, those types that have had a great deal of success where they're at. Um, and that's basically your, for your next coach, you're, you're basing that on the success they've had at the previous stop. I mean, Jimbo won a national title at Florida State. Or do you take a chance on a Jeff Trailer at UTSA who's been in Texas basically his entire life and has done an incredible job um, with the Roadrunners? You know, or do you go for the more of a safer pick with a more high-profile guy? Because, like you said, money's not going to be the option. And again, I don't, I don't think it, any of those guys is the, is the automatic number one choice. Or I don't think any of those guys would be would be bad hires. But ultimately, 
you're not going to know till somebody gets in there and you see what they do and see what kind of success they've had. Cause there's a laundry list of coaches who have gone places. We thought we're going to be home run hires the best hires ever. That simply didn't pan out. Um, no offense, Scott Frost. So you really never know until you get a guy in there and see what happens. The Zach Arnett experiment at uh, Mississippi State didn't last long. Obviously, that came on the heels of, of you know, uh, of tragedy there. But uh, I guess just Mississippi State had seen enough uh, this quickly and, and thought they'd, they'd cut their losses while they still could. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, with, with what happened, you know, the tragedy with Mike Leach passing away. And Zach takes over. They they rally when the when the bowl game last year, and you know at that point, you know you're, now you're after Jan, you know January first. Who who are you really going to be able to get in there? Uh, and if you could get somebody in there, are you going to sign them to a five or six year deal? Um, whoever would have been available, probably not. And so Zach was the be- best option. Um, incredible defensive coach, but. You know, things just, you know, have not worked out this year. And and I don't know if necessarily that's Zach's, Zach's fault because you go from doing an air raid where basically your whole recruiting philosophy was to recruit guys to that offense, and then no, you're no longer really an air raid offense. So how you, how's any coach going to perform? So, you know, it kind of made sense. You've got a new athletic director also in there and Zach Selman. So it kind of made sense, and then it certainly didn't help uh, Zach's cause when, you know, the second half of the season, the the wheels literally fell off, and, you know, they couldn't do anything offensively. Defense was having a hard time. And, um, you know, I think what's, you know, you mentioned, you know, Black Sunday we've already had with Brady Hope resigning today. We're down, four coaches already, or four schools looking for, for new coaches next year, but we've kind of moved up the timetable because with the transfer portal and everything else, you really no no longer can wait till the end of the season because you feel like you're, you're, um, you're trying to play catch up with everybody else. Yeah. It, it, you know, Scott Frost got axed earlier. Uh, Joey McGuire took the Texas tech job. It seemed like in the middle of the season or towards that moment in 2021, that was unique. Uh, Brett, you have a top 25 vote. I saw your ballot. You had Georgia, Ohio State, Florida State, Michigan, and Washington. Uh, when you vote for when you put Michigan where you do, does any of what we're seeing, hearing, knowing come into play with your vote? No, absolutely not. And that's based, well, that's based on two things. But the first thing is it's a snapshot of the season. It's not how I think they're going to end up the year. Sure. So that's basically what they've done to this point. And yeah, I'm, look, Michigan has steel clubbed everybody they play, but they played a bunch of tomato cans until last week when they played at Penn State. So that's really the first quality opponent they played this year. I mean, the only team other than Penn State that they beat with a winning record is UNLV, who's having an incredible year, but they're group group five team, and Rutgers. So again, right now at this point. I, that's why I have them where, where I have them ranked. My bold projections, which project how I think the year is going to end up, I've got them in the final. I think they're going to win the Big Ten. I think they're going to win their semifinal game. I think they'll be playing for the championship. But right now, I'm not ready to put them there. They take care of business against Maryland and beat Ohio State. 
um, they will at worst be number two in my ballot, possibly number one. When Michigan has its day in court on Friday, do you think that that will um, put Jim Harbaugh back on the sideline? Wow. I mean, God, I mean, if this is like, uh, you know, it's funny. One of Harbaugh's favorite TV shows, I don't know if you guys know this or not, is Judge Judy. And he's actually, he's actually friends with Judge Judy. And this would make the ultimate Judge Judy case if we could get, if we could get uh, Michigan in front of Judge Judy. Um, you know, I don't know. It's like, kind of like predicting NCAA um, penalties or punishments you you never know um you never know how it's going to end up i would look just you know obvious conspiracy theory um folks out there it's being heard by a michigan graduate it's in a michigan court you would think they'd find some way to get an injunction and get him back on the sideline but uh we'll find out i mean it's it's not going to matter against maryland i think it matters against ohio state but um you know, Michigan, Michigan's going to milk this for all that they can. The players are going to rally around him. And uh, if he's not if he's not out there, they may actually, you know, be more motivated if that's actually possible at this point in the season. Brad, obviously, Dave Aranda here at Baylor. It's been a really rough year. It's been a rough almost now. Well, it's been over a year because of the fate at the end of last year. That's a name that is there. And, of course, we're monitoring and discussing that. Uh, and then is, is Brian Kelly – at UCLA now a little Chip bit Kelly. warm. Chip Kelly, excuse me, at UCLA kind of a warm seat? Yeah, Chip's, Chip's an interesting case. I mean, he was actually, a couple of years ago, there was thoughts that he may not be renewed or that he would be fired. His contract at that point, um, I don't remember the specific date, but it was after their bowl game. Uh, I think it was in January where the buyout was um, – substantially reduced so what happens is four hours before kickoff against nc state and holiday bowl they don't play the game because they said they had some COVID issues um so the game's not played chips contract gets renewed the nc state folks claim the game that was <laughs> chip knew he was going to get beat pretty bad um by nc state because they did have some injuries and other factors going on um so now you fast forward they're going to the big 10 um yeah that's that's a um, – look, anything's possible. I would be surprised if if Martin Germain, the UCLA AD, made that move. But, um, again, I guess I've learned not to be surprised by anything. What's, what's kind of the – I mean, I'm, you know, halfway across the country. What's kind of the vibe there in Waco with, uh, with Dave? Well, it's 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 just there's nothing here. It's just kind of the same thing over and over again. Now, for the last several weeks, it's just been kind of. Uh, I think the fan base is. Uh, I think it was up to the fan base that they well, would be moving yeah. on to somebody different. And, I, I think there's just a. It's, it's in a it's a holding pattern of just not really going anywhere positively. There's no really things to hold on to or cling on to that really make you think this is going to improve all that much in the future. And uh, it's just it's just kind of all piling up, and I think people are kind of at their wits' end, honestly, Brett. I, I think the only thing holding it back is just whatever administratively, you know, might be a hurdle, whether that's a buyout or just feeling like they need another year. But beyond that, I think uh, everybody is pretty resigned to the fact that there's there's a change that needs to be made. There's just not you know a guarantee that there will be one. 
Yeah, I guess just, you know, looking at it from afar. And I was at the, I can't remember if I talked to you guys about it, but I, my daughter goes to UCF. Yep. So I was actually at the UCF Baylor game. And, you know, I saw the, the best and worst of Baylor in, in 60 minutes. It, it's, it's funny that, you know, how you described it, because if I remember correctly, uh, two years ago, Baylor had the best season Ever. in school history, yep. finished top five or six um, in the country, um, you know, knocked my Cowboys out of the college football yeah. playoff, won a New Year's Six Bowl. And now two years later, people are like, okay, fine. We're done with you. Let's get out of here. That, that is not just a Baylor issue. That is every school on the face of the earth fan base issue. Once you reach a certain point, if you don't have that same success each year after that, it's a disappointment. Obviously, this year has been a disappointment for Baylor. But, man, to, for them to be that quick, you know, just two years after the fact, like, okay, we're, you know, we're not, we're three and seven, you know, things haven't gone great this year. So it's time to move on. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I guess that's how things are. What have you done for me right this second? Um, it's kind of how people are judged, but, um, you know, I, I mean, that's surprising. I don't have a, I don't have a read on that as a national guy on, you know, what his future's like. It's just kind of, it's just kind of mind-blowing that I guess we're kind of at that – every fan base is kind of at that mindset now that if, if – literally, it's not if you don't win every year. It's like if you don't win every week, people are ready to, to move on and do something else. And the other thing, and this is, again, not just Baylor, but other, other similar programs, whenever people are like, oh, we should get rid of this guy or we, we may need to get rid of this guy, I'm like, okay, that's great. So who are you going to replace them? Who out there is better that can come in here and do this? And do you, do you then have to reset the program back? Um, you know, those are certainly questions that have to be considered. But, you know, I, you know I'll be watching from afar. But, um, you know, I guess I, that's why I want you guys are obviously ground zero. So I was just curious, you know, what the fans were thinking there. But, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, most times people in this position – uh, you've, you've seen it with James Franklin. I'm not comparing Dave to James Franklin, good or bad, but Franklin makes a change at offensive coordinator after another loss to, uh, <laughs> you know, the Ohio State-Michigan duo. So maybe there's some staff changes um, to kind of shake things up. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that, would be, that would be wild that a, you know, a coach that had the best season in, in school history, you know, two years ago would be, would be out, but that's kind of the times we're in, I guess. Yeah. I would say Brett that Dave made two missteps that he's paying for right now and whether he gets a chance to correct them, I don't know. And one of them isn't totally his fault in that Baylor was not at all ready for NIL to be, especially around them, especially with Texas and Texas A&M schools who were like ready to do it. As soon as they said, go Baylor, wasn't ready to do it when they said go and that hurt them. And then the other thing was two years ago, he got in the transfer portal at like just above Dabo level. Like I got a couple here and there, but didn't really dive into it. And then I think that's hurting them this year because they don't have any, any veterans that you could have kind of brought up through your system that didn't fit somewhere else. And they're, they're just kind of flailing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, the, yeah, the good news is obviously the portal that can be, that can be changed overnight. Um, but if his philosophy is that like Dabo, 
um, where Dabo's kicking and screaming being pulled into the 21st century, um, that obviously would be an issue. And yes, the NIL deal, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a whole different animal. And um, it's, like you said, it's hard really to blame the head coach for the NIL because technically that's something separate from the school. But yeah, I mean, those are, those are all valid points. And, you know, again, we'll, you know, it's, it's funny. Some of the greatest coaches of all time, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, um, Mac Brown, um, and different coaches where if they had the success they had at the start of their career now, they'd be um, bagging groceries because they'd be fired. But, they're, you know, those schools they were at stuck around and gave them a chance for three or four years, and then they were able to, you know, have a great deal of success. So that's not the, that's not the time we're in now. It's people want something immediately. But, yeah, that's, those are some valid points. And, um, you know, I, you know it's, it's a crazy time. But the good news is with the portal, um, you know, things can get changed overnight. It's not like the old days where you had to wait three or four years for the recruiting class to, to kind of grow up. Yeah, I'd add to as well on Aranda's. He went and got like 12 guys out of the portal last year, and few and far between are actually contributing. So when you start talking about, well, they can hit the portal, and that's what you know, people are like, well, how can this, this change? It's like, well, you did that last year, and it didn't help. You fired your OC before. You fired your DC before. It's just like how many places can you turn? And, I mean, they're one and six at home this year. And they're, they're not just losing to teams. They're getting blown out by teams. So I think all that's just really added up and uh, really put a, a lot of questions about just where's the bright spots moving forward and, and where's the, the avenue to see this thing flip. There's just not a lot of answers there right now. But, Brett, before you go, I did want to ask you, too, uh, I guess Ray Anderson's not going to have to go to Morgantown after all, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got, he got his wish. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think it's surprising that, that – he kind of stepped down. Um, it, pretty, a lot of people thought that would happen, um, you know, in the next year or two. But just the fact that it was so sudden, you know, it's effective immediately. He's not even going to finish out the uh, the rest of the school year. So, um, yeah, he'll miss all the fun in the uh, in the Big Twelve next year. When um, you know, I was talking with somebody earlier today, and they were saying, you know, what what teams going forward, you know, are going to be the, the the bell cows, if you will, of the big 12. And I said, that's what makes this league so fascinating is because there's probably three fourths of the league think that they will be the top team in the big 12. And I don't think there will be one. I think it's going to just, it'll rotate every year. And that's, that will make for some wild conference races. Um, I don't think we're going to have any teams like a Georgia SEC type run in the big 12 or a Ohio state, Michigan type, Big Ten run in the Big Twelve, and that's I think that's um, you know whether it's for Baylor, my my uh, Cowboys up in Stillwater. I mean that's what makes the next few years so intriguing, is because I really think a lot of two thirds of the conference has a legitimate shot to be that team, and possibly Arizona State when they get uh, a new AD in there because Kenny Dillingham has done an incredible job. Um, talk about coaching with one arm behind your back, being on NCAA. Um, probation as far as not going to bowl game, and they pulled off some big wins. So yeah, I can't wait for next year when we when we had the, the new Big Twelve and, and see all these new schools come in. Uh, but yeah, Ray Anderson will will not be with us. Thank you very much, Brett. Great stuff as always. Appreciate your time on coaching changes, coaching speculation on coaching changes, some of the wins and losses, the top 
teams at the top, and then also the latest on Ray Anderson, the AD at Arizona State, who was out. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.